You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real pain. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more info about PCLB and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PC Las Vegas. Thank you again and enjoy the message. God wants to speak to people, I stay out of the way as much as possible uh, because I really believe that if I can be set free, then I need to extend what I've been given. So you guys are, are in great hands with your pastors. And uh, when I was younger, I'm going to let you guys sit down in a minute. In a minute. <laughs> when I was, look at you guys, man, you guys are just ready to sit down and fall asleep. Uh, when, when I was younger, I used to be very, like, uh, um, just like many of us, we get excited about the young, cool speaker that comes into churches, and they, they wow us with this crazy, dynamic word. And then after, as, you get, as you get older, you start to realize it's the people that have been through hell that you admire the most. And the pastors and the leaders that are still fighting for their city and doing things when other people quit and throw in the towel. And you guys need to know that after 16 years, I told the group last night, that's a good stepping stone. We like to look at that and say, 16 years, oh my God, it's forever. And the Lord's saying, that is just the beginning of what's going to happen in this city. So you guys can be seated. You guys, uh, like Pastor Art said, uh, they've known us forever. And usually I don't like ministering at churches where they know all our baggage. Uh, because then I get in the stories and it's like, I didn't know that part. But um, we, 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 just, we admire everything they're doing. I remember my pastor, Pastor Donna Neville, when, you need a good shot? Okay. I've seen some bad pictures of, of me on the internet already, and it's not good. But my pastor, Donna Neville, she brags so much about this church. You guys don't realize that the fellowship, at least the HP fellowship, looks at this church as a model for our fellowship. You guys don't know how she honors this church. You guys, I'm pretty sure you guys don't know it. We, we're in Brooklyn, and it's like, okay, all right, Las Vegas, they're doing good. Okay, Sister Neville, we, I, I believe it, but you guys... You, you need to understand that you guys are under some great leadership, people that know, that have been in the fire, and, and they know how to do things the right way, and it's in the spirit. Uh, I get nervous when I come to churches, and I, I'm, in, I'm sitting down there, and during worship, I'm like, okay, Las Vegas. Oh, you know, you know what that tone means, right? That means like, okay, you guys are bringing it. I, I was like, I don't know what to expect, but I, it's, it's rare that you walk into a church, and everyone is in one mind and one accord. You can say, well, I'm going through hell. Guess what? You're fighting. In, our, in Brooklyn, and we used to say... You know, not, you, know, you know that whole saying, no child left behind? That's how you guys, I feel like you guys have that type of thing. Where you guys will rally around someone that doesn't, that, that's going through something that really needs a touch from God. And, and in those places where we come in and just let God do what he's going to do, and God is going to set some people free today, and because you need to go to a new level. Something new needs to come into your life. And so I, I'm, I'm going to minister this message. Um, I'm going to try to get through it. Uh, my wife says I go pretty long. That's because I like to tell jokes, and you know, I don't go to work tomorrow. We're actually staying till tomorrow, so I got all night. We can, we can go have lunch and come back and finish the service if you guys want. But uh, I, I'm loving what's coming out of this church. I'm loving the praise songs that are coming out of this church. 
I'm loving what I'm hearing when I'm sitting here. People talking about everything about them is relying on Jesus. I love that when you walk into churches like that. Those, that's the type of thing that gets people going. That's what's attractive to unbelievers. When you get Christians that say, I know I'm weak and I know I'm flawed, but there is something else that is greater than me. There's such a rich spirit in this house. We felt it last night. Young people, you're not alone. There is something that God is doing. And today I'm going to be very transparent with this word. That's all I can do. I, I, I'm not too caught up in, in all these ministers that come, and they just come to leave a word, and they leave. I really believe when I come, I'm reading this book. It's called Give Blood, and it's really talking about where, when you go somewhere to minister, and it's a book for preachers, you go and you give what Jesus gave. He gave blood, and for me, there's nothing else I can give because I've been through it, and I cry a lot when I preach, so don't worry because I just I know what it feels like to be touched by God. And so when I come, I give everything I have because that's all I have because when I got saved, I had nothing. And I've been touched by Jesus. He comes in. He sets you free. And in the moment, you're probably sitting here saying, man, I don't have nothing to give. If you will just give God everything in that moment, that's the greatest you can ever give. We're going to read Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It's going to be good today. I can feel it. I already cried in the intro, man. You, you know. And I'm an ugly crier, so don't, don't laugh, man. I'm, I'm ugly. No pictures. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. We're going to read. Verse 40, and we're going to read all the way through 53. Some of you guys, that's the most Bible you'll read all week. Let's, let's just get it in now, right? Some of us, hey, it took me years to get used to it. It says, on the other side of the lake, say the other side. See, pastors do that because they know what type of service they want to get. If it's low, they say, say something, then they know it's going to be a bad service. It says, on the other side of the lake, the, uh, on the, other side of the, lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Say, waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, notice that Jesus went with him. He was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said... Someone deliberately touched me. Now, I want you to know that there is a difference in being in the presence of God and receiving from the presence of God. So you walked in this place and you say, I'm in the presence of God and I can feel it. But there's a difference in receiving from it and saying, I'm taking what's in this place and I'm going on to do my thing in my life. I'm going to receive what God has for me today. There's something about when you walk in and you choose at that door to say, today I may not be going through what I want to go through, but I'm believing for a greater thing to come out of this service. You guys didn't know. You guys got caught up with the high waters. I'm a preacher. For I felt healing power. Caught up. See, when the was not hidden, she began to tremble and fell on her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger, say a messenger, arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of a local synagogue. He told her, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But, G but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she was dead. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned. 
I want to read Ephesians 5.10. I'm just going to read the clip. There's the next part. It says, Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, O sleeper. Say that right now. Say, Awake, O sleeper. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. See, that's good news. We read scriptures now and be like, when's the next part? No, there's good news in every piece. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. I want to read again Luke chapter 8, verse 54. It says, my child, get up. My child, get up. Look at your neighbor and say, get up. See, it's contradictory to the word my wife is saying. She's saying, bring it down, bring it down. I'm saying, my child, get up. But it's a whole different meaning. Today, I want to speak a word of restoration to you today. I want to tell you that today, what the devil has told you has been dead in your life. It's only been asleep. I want to tell you that I've lived a life where there has been things in my life where the the Lord has given me dreams, has given me visions, has given me purpose. Seasons of my life where I felt that the enemy said those things were dead. Because maybe I didn't fulfill it on the time that I thought I was supposed to do it, but I was not on God's timing. And I don't know what it's your purity, maybe it's your anointing, maybe it's your sin, believing God for the enemy says that the thing is dead, but I want to tell you today that it's only been asleep. That's why I see it. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Believe me, I'm the product of a mother who prayed, and my mother, she used to see anything, she used to see things before it even happened. See, sometimes we pray in the moment. We don't pray with it already over in our spirit. I remember when my mom used to pray, my son's already saved. My son's serving God. And I walk by the door like saying, no, I'm not, mom. I'm high right now. But see, when I began to get saved and I began to know because she was already declaring it. She no longer was asking God, but she was now saying, God, it's happened. I see it. It's over in my spirit. See, we find in Luke chapter 8 that Jesus is coming back into the village. And I, and I because I've never seen it before until I read in context of this message, you got to realize he was there before, but then he crossed to the other side and he did many miracles. He faced the storm. He did things, great things, but now he's coming back to the place he was before. You know that our God, and I want to say this over your life, our God is a God of second, third, fourth chances. If you would just come and say, God, I, I need you again. I, I need you to step in again because guess what? What did not happen the first time when he was there is going to happen the sec- next time because he's coming back around. You need to know that Jesus is coming back around into your situation. He's coming back around to revisit some of those prayers that you prayed. He's coming back around to revisit that dream that he gave you. He's coming back around to revision that purity that you thought you lost. He's coming back around to give you back that anointing that you thought was lost in the mistakes that you've made. See, what God has been trying to do in your life, all that he's been trying to accomplish, and it has not seemed to happen yet, I want to declare over you today that he's coming back around. He was in your city at one point. And I'm talking about your spirit, where you're at. And he left maybe for a season. Or maybe you kicked him out. But he's going to come back into the situation. I want to prophesy to you more than preach today. That whatever it is, I want you to know that you're going to receive today what God has promised you. That dream, whatever it is. There's people in this place, no matter where we go, there are people. I've been in church over 30 years. And I know that we sing the songs that, that, that get us going and get us excited about it. But there are people who are sitting in the back, sitting in their front. And I always tell people, I'm about the person you don't see on Instagram. Because we see, we like to put all the good things on Instagram. We never put the bad stuff. But I'm about that person that doesn't want to be posted. I'm about that person that sits in the back and says, man, I, I can't praise today, but I'm going to give it my best. God, I don't have it all today, but I'm going to try my best because I've been in that place where I come in and I say, God, I don't, I don't have it today. But in the house of God, there's always someone who does. 
See, and what that woman and Jairus did not receive the first time, they were going to receive this time. Because this time, there's something different that's happening. We read it. The Bible says that they were waiting for him. You see, the Lord's going to always meet you at your level of expectation. This time, it says they were waiting for him. See, I don't know what happened the first time when Jesus was there. I don't know if that woman and Jairus maybe had a kid's birthday party to go to. I don't know if they missed because, because something was going on in their life. Maybe they had a family party. Maybe something was more important than Jesus being somewhere. You guys know where I'm going with that. Maybe there's situations. I don't know what happened. But I do know that something happened where Jesus was doing miracles and word got around. I, I, I do know that there were people that were receiving things and word got around. They said, I better go get Jesus in this moment because if I miss it, I don't want to miss it again. I don't know if that woman just got so fed up saying, I'm tired, I missed it. I could have went and got my healing, but I'm going now because the healer's over there and I need to touch him. Jairus says, man, I don't know. My, my daughter, we've tried everything. We've done everything that we could. I need to go get me some Jesus because I missed him the first time he came around. You see, you somehow talked yourself out of your breakthrough. You talked yourself out of your miracle. See, I'm telling you today that this time is going to be different. You need to start saying in your spirit, this time is going to be different. It, you know, church service isn't changing anybody's life. It's what you guys were doing before. It's that moment where heaven and earth collide and Jesus enters the room and says, okay, the Holy Spirit is here and he's going to break some hearts. He's going he's to do some things. He's going to get you to a place where you're broken and you're saying, okay, now I have nothing. Because if you're in this place and you know Jesus, you know you had nothing when you accepted him. And guess what? We still don't have nothing. We have Jesus. That's it. We, we, we do a good job of giving the world other things. But when we just give them Jesus, it's confrontational. The gospel just meets people at a place where it's like, okay, I know I'm messed up. And I love that moment because we've all been there. I want you to know this time was different. Expectation is the breeding ground for your miracle. You can write that down. See nobody writing? Okay. All right. I was going to say you could have it. You could tweet it if you want. But expectation is the breeding ground for your miracle. What are you expecting? See, what didn't happen the first time was going to happen this time because I want you to know that this season of your life is going to be greater than the last season. The, 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 the preacher said it right here when he was praying. He says, your former, how did you say? I loved it. That's right. Man. He, this is his voice. I need his voice to preach this. It's, man. We didn't, Brandon, can you put his voice on the podcast? But it's my sermon. Man. That's a, that's a preacher right there, man. Just... One sentence, it's like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> See, what do you, I, I got one question. I got one question for you today. I got many. I'm going to say I got one question, but that really is just for this moment. I want you to know, what do you, I want to ask you, what are you expecting? I tell people, I used to tell people in Brooklyn, God forbid the devil has more faith in your potential than you do. Because we got people walking around, don't believe God for nothing. Well, I'm just making it. You know, Jesus didn't die on the cross, go through all that so we can just make it. One of the greatest, one of the greatest phrases in history that I've used to hear over my life because I'm a, I'm a dreamer. I'm one of those people that when I walk into a city like Vegas, I say, God can change this city. I'm sure your pastor's the same way. I walked into New York and said, God's going to change this city. I'm telling everybody, God's going to change it. He's going to use a little Mexican like me to change it. And I'm one of these people, but all my life I've heard these words. Don't get your hopes up. Even from people in church, mainly family members. There was a time when I wasn't just 5'9". I was a young man, and I had a dream to play professional basketball. He's laughing already. All right, man. See, I had a dream to play professional basketball. And I remember I, I, I would tell my, my mom was here. She would tell you. I would tell my mom all the time, I'm going to do this. And my son's the same way. Huh? You ask him what he's going to be when he grows up. Professional basketball player. There's no other option. 
And so we, I'm just like thinking I'm going to do this my whole life. I wanted to play ball, I'll do this. But I always heard those words. And for every dream that I had, don't get your hopes up. See, people don't know that they're really doing damage to you because they're making you believe and give you this mentality that no matter what you do, that dream is never going to come to pass. And I come today with a word to, over all of you to say, get your hopes up. What are you believing for? Is there something? What do you see when you see your church? What do you see when you see your family? What do you see when you see this city? Do you see the same old thing or do you see something greater than what you've always done? What are you expecting? Stop believing the voice in the, of the enemy. The Lord says, I know the plans I, the plans I have for you. They are to prosper you and not to harm you. We got Christians that are walking in fear, wondering when the devil is going to get them again. Stop worrying about what he's going to do, looking over your shoulder and start looking at where God is saying, what are you expecting? See, God is, he's not a God of just enough. He is a God of more than enough. If you would, if you would take that word and say, okay, I'm going to believe it because faith is all we have. Between the, this word that I give you today and the manifestation of that word is all faith. It, you know, we're, we're crazy to believe this. You guys read this, some of this stuff? Man, it's, it's wild. People, how could you believe this? I don't know. That's faith. At the end of the day, that's all we have. That's all it takes. And I want you to know, you guys do a great job of this. And I just want to remind some of you guys that your praise is the ultimate expression of expectation. There's a difference when you praise God when everything's going good. There's a big difference. Than when you're praising them when you're going through hell. If you've been in this place and you had to force yourself and remind yourself that this is a season where I got to praise God no matter what, then you know what I'm talking about. See, even if you say, I have nothing to praise God for. In my life, there is nothing going on. Everyone around me is sick. I just lost a loved one. There's nothing to praise God for. If you will praise God in that moment right there, if you'll praise God in that season, it's the greatest praise you can ever give God. Because what you're saying is, is you're saying that you're not going to let your circumstance dictate your praise, but you're going to let your praise dictate your circumstance. You're going to praise your way through some things. You're going to say, God, I don't feel it today, but I'm going to lift my hands and praise you because there's someone that needs my life. My wife and I, I'm going to be, this is where I'd be transparent. We're in this season. We're in this season where it's hard to praise God. Pastor uh, uh, Maria asked me, I said, are you okay, Joe? I wanted to cry in that moment. Because I'm okay, but I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what he's doing. But I know it's not going to change what we do. I know it doesn't change what we do because we believed it in the moment. I believed that freedom came when, into my life. I believed it. I, I just give people what Jesus gave me. That's good. See, I had some theme music ready set up. Thank you. We're in this season. You ask us, we're going to say, yeah, we're good. But we, we went to New York with high expect. We expected much. Doesn't mean everything changes. We expect everywhere we go that God is going to do something, that God's going to move. That's why people, I come to churches sometimes, like, are you a little serious when you're preaching right before it's time to, it's because I don't play games with this stuff. We have too many church games. We, the show must go on, right? People show up. We do, the, we do the whole thing. But at the end of the day, if God is not there, it does not matter. Do you know how many churches today are gathering and the Holy Spirit ain't even there? It's just a birthday party. It's a whole different level when you praise when you're going through hell, when you don't want to because what you're telling God is that circumstance, it doesn't mean anything. Too many of us, we like to talk to the mountain rather than the mountain mover. We like to say, oh, this thing in my life, oh, this city's never going to change. Will you stop looking at the mountain, start looking at the one who can move it and say that, start to speak to that thing? I should have done this before, getting warmed up. We're going to do it right now. We're going to have a little praise break. Remember, you remember praise breaks? Remember those? 
Have you guys had one of those in a minute during the service? We're going to have a praise break right now. We're going to start. We're going to, I, I want to, I want to count to three, and we're going to have a praise break, and we're going to praise God just because. Whether you clap, whether you shout, we're going to do it for about 10 minutes, 10 set, 10 minutes. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'll take up half my time. And I want you to know that maybe you have not got the report that you said that, that you think you need. Maybe you haven't got the breakthrough that you're waiting for, but we're going to do it right now and just exercise that ability to praise God no matter what happens. Come on. One, two, three. Let's just praise God. Praise him for what we already, what we can't see. Praise him for those things that we cannot see yet because he is good. He is more than enough. Hallelujah. 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 We'll get most of you guys at the end. We're going to get most of you guys at the end. Start believing for your neighbor that ain't clapping. Start believing for that neighbor that needs Jesus. If you, I'm sorry if you're a visitor in this place. We're old school with it. Read this chapter called Acts chapter 2. Please read it. That's where we get our craziness from. See, I, what, what happens is that I want to pull the praise out of you. I want to pull it out because there's so many times we walk in places and we say, man, I'm, I'm just doing, we're like, the, we're like Christian Eeyores. I heard someone say that one time. You guys know who e Eeyore is? How you doing? I'm good. I'm all right. Are you kidding me? Do you know that we serve the, li the, the living king? And so in Luke, Luke chapter, <laughs> look, you guys are getting all riled up. Luke chapter 8, this time they come different. This time they're waiting. See, we find Jairus in this situation, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, I have a daughter, and she's sick, and she's around 12 years old. You see, it's funny to me. You study that, that, that age 12. The Bible don't just throw numbers in the Bible for any reason. It's just not there for any reason. You start to study that. It's a very important number in Judaism for 12 years old young ladies. This was the reason Jairus mentions her age because he knew that it would get the attention of a rabbi or rabbis around him. He knew that there was something about this age. This was the age where the teachers believed that it was an age of accountability, that a woman, a young woman was going into womanhood. She's entering, she's going from one season and into another season. And I want you to know that there's always going to be a moment of transition in your life, and it's in that season where the enemy is going to try to attack you. She's going from one season, one transition into another. It's in that moment where the enemy is going to say, now their guard's down. How many times have you been in transition and the Lord has come in and tried to snatch you up? You don't believe me, roughly 85% of kids in churches, when they go from junior high to high school, they leave the church because the enemy attacks them in transition. Guess what? That's your prodigal kids. That's me. Went from middle school, yeah, my parents are chasing God. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm there. All my friends are there. And in transition, the enemy comes and snatches them up while you ain't looking. And I want you to know that there are people in this place that are going from one season to the next. And when you begin to take higher ground, believe me, you begin to fight greater demons and greater spirits. There's things that are going to happen. But I want you to know that if you guard yourself in a season of transition, that the enemy can't take what you have. And see, he, he knows that. When you begin to take higher ground, that the, we start to feel, man, God, I'm chasing you even more. Why is there so much warfare? That's what this game is. That's what we're doing. That's what happens. You, you start to take higher ground. You start to feel like all hell is coming against you because he doesn't want you to take that ground. He knows it's already yours. If you will stop looking at, it, at him and giving him credit and start to say, God, I know it's already mine. I know if things are going to prosper in this season, you will have it quicker than you think. See, and the warfare increases in your life. Do not panic, but praise. Anytime warfare increases, do not panic but praise. Believe me, the enemy can't stand people that praise. See, what it means is that 
he knows that you're about to go into one season and he's going to bring all hell against you. Things are going to come against you. You're going to say, why is this happening to me? How many times do we ask God, why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. You just praise in that moment. God will get you through. See, the, the reason some, some of you guys feel like all oh, hell's coming against you is because the enemy knows that the harvest is full. When I walked in this place, I saw a full harvest. And I saved this for the end, but I'm going to get it to it now because now we're, now we're rolling. There, there's a handful of men in this place that God has called you to pastor your own church. A handful. I'm not, the harvest is full. If you read about, in, in, uh, about Shama, the Bible talks about this mighty warrior, Shama. He was one of David's warriors. And it says that he was fighting over a field of lentils, over a field of beans. You see, many of us, we want to fight for someone else's field, but we, don't, we, we think that our field is not worth fighting for because we think it's just beans, it's nothing. But Shama fought for something. And I want you to know, this is not even in my, in my notes, but I want you to know there's a group of men, we're going to pray for you after, that you need to get close to your pastor and stop waiting for him to come to you. And you need to get close to him. And he's going to disciple you to pastor your church. I, I, I see like this church is like just like over pregnant. Like the girl, that, that was a sign from the Lord. Don't laugh at this part. That was a sign from the Lord. She was over pregnant. She's ready. And I feel that in the spirit for this church, that this church is going to explode with pastors and preachers and are going to be launched from this minute. Don't worry, about what's, don't worry about how it's going to happen. Don't worry about why it's going to happen. Don't worry about how we're going to do it. Don't worry about the financial risk involved. Guess what? Everything's a risk. And the, oh man, I'm about to close this thing right now. And whatever the Lord, and see right now, some of you men are saying, some of, I already sense in the spirit, you guys are saying, I'm dis, I've already been disqualified. We're going to pray for you today. Man, it's crazy because the Lord uses me a lot to minister to, to, to broken women in places, but I feel today the men are going to be broken today. I feel that God's going to just, just destroy some of you guys in a good way, in a good way. I want you to know, don't lose your miracle in a season of transition. See, the devil's fine with you. Staying where you are. He's fine with you going backwards, but the moment you set yourself to go forward, that ain't going to happen. See, he, he has you right now in a place, maybe he, he don't have to tempt you into a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. If he can get you to be an indifferent Christian, he already won. That means you have no voice, you have no opinion, you have no impact. So you are just in, sit in the building. And he gets most of us to sit in places like that say, well, I'm being impacted by the Lord. And we create these awesome environments where the presence of God is in a place. And what can be the scariest place is to come into a place like this where people are on fire for God and you think you're on fire, but you're only sensing the heat from everyone else around you. And you're only sensing, you're sensing it from your neighbor because they love Jesus. And you say, man, I must be really on fire for God. And you walk out into the world and the winds of the world hit you and then you fall flat on your face. It's because you were never really on fire to begin with. Our Bible says that our God is an all-consuming fire. He wants you to jump all the way in and start believing the things that he says you can have. So Jairus, this man Jairus, he says, Jesus, can you come home with me? See, and I like to say, we need to start taking Jesus with us. He's not just here today, but guess what? He can be with you Monday through Saturday. And he says, come home with me. What he's saying is, can you come to my job with me? Jesus, I know you at the synagogue. I know you as the teacher that teaches us these great things, but can you come home with me? Can you come to my family group? Can you come to my connect group? Can you come to my job? Can you come with me to the hospital? Can you come everywhere I go because I need you in my house? Do you know that Jesus wants to be in your house? He wants to come home with you. If you would just ask him and say, Jesus, come with me. So many times we walk blindly into situations and we want to snap our fingers and say, man, Jesus, where, where are you at? You know, he, if you just say, Jesus, come with me. Come with me to my, 
connect group where people need you. Come with me to my job where there's nothing but devils there, and I just want to kill everybody. Right? See, I know someone caught that. He knows. He wants to kill people. Be careful with this guy. So they begin to walk to Jairus' house. We read the story. They begin to walk to his house, and there's a moment there where they're walking. Can you imagine? He's, he knows he's with Jesus. He's about to get his daughter healed. They're walking to his house, and there's that moment where he looks back, and it appears that Jesus has been distracted. It appears that Jesus is no longer walking with him. It appears that Jesus is no longer moving. Can you imagine what this feel, what it feels like for him knowing that he has a daughter at home that is sick, she's about to die, and Jesus is in no rush to get to her? See, what do you do when it feels like God is no longer walking with you? What do you do when it seems like he's distracted by someone else's problem? See, maybe things are going good at the beginning of your walk. Maybe things are going a certain way, and we can't compare one season to the next. We can't compare, well, it was great when I got sick. It's always good. God's always good. What changes? The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's changed? Nothing changed. And we get in these places where we feel like God is no longer walking with us, and we're alone. We're in a valley. Do you know that he's still there with you? So Jesus begins to have a conversation with this woman in the crowd. He says, who touched me? And he begins to have an encounter with this woman. We know the woman with the issue of blood. Now, that's great that Jesus stops to heal this woman, but that's not good for Jairus because his daughter's home and she's about to die. See, many times in your life, you're going to always feel like God doesn't have enough to go around. We got to watch our hearts sometimes in those places. That's awesome in that moment for that woman. And I thank God for the many sermons we've heard about that woman being healed and the, and the urgency for her to get to Jesus. But what, what about those people who were on the other side that felt like that person stole their blessing? They felt like because God blessed someone else, now he don't have enough for me. Because Jesus is no longer walking with me, he's healing everybody else. Now he don't care about my situation. There are people in this place that you've been hurt by church people. And you say, God was not there with me in that season. And I have a passion for the church because I've been here for 30 years and I know what it's like to sit on the opposite side of the building because you can't stand the person on the other side. I know what it's like to have pastors who don't talk to each other for years and they want to proclaim the gospel that I've heard my whole life. I know what it's like to live and be broken in a place where you feel like everything should be love. It says on the wall and it hurts sometimes because somebody stabbed you in the back. Guess what? God is still good. Now I can't read my notes. There's going to be times when it feels like God has turned his back on you. And there's people in this place, I sense it in the spirit. And you feel like God turned his back on you in a moment. And he hasn't done that. Everyone else around you is getting touched by God. See, how do you respond when everyone else around you is being blessed and receiving what they've been believing for? How do you respond in that moment? This is, this is, you got to understand, this is a quick moment. Jairus, this is happening quick. He's walking with Jesus, and then all of a sudden it stops. And in that moment, how do you respond in that moment? Well, I, me? I said, man, come on, Jesus. Man, we did the, you know, that we all can do that. We all do that good, huh? That's what I would have done. I don't know if there's any Mexicans in this translation, but that's what we do. And I would have tried to pull them and say, come on, what are you doing? Stop messing with I got someone that's dying. She's only bleeding. You can't compare someone else's season to yours. See, I want you to know that never confuse the patience with God with denial. Never confuse it. De- delay is not denial. That God is always on time, always with everything. 
You know, when, when we wanted to go to New York in 2012, God didn't send us till 2014. Why? Because he had to work out some things in our life. And if I would have went in 2012, we would have ruined the people that God sent us there to, to, to reach. There was people there that we knew. I said, man, God, you're so good because you had these things worked out in my life, so now I can give them to these guys. I can leave a seed with these men that we discipled there. So Jairus is waiting. See, my, my miracle is connected to my response to someone else's miracle. He's waiting. And now we change our perspective, right? We're waiting. You know what now we do? We say, okay, Jesus, he stopped, he stopped to touch this woman. He stopped to talk to her. I just started laying hands on her too. When was the last time we did that? Someone else is believing. See, God, Jesus, he wants to teach us to celebrate someone else's miracle. The Bible says in Romans 12, 15, it says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And as Christians, we do a good job of weeping with those who weep. Your pastor and your family just lost, lost a loved one, and we wept with them. People come, came close to them. They, they got really close, and they, they were weeping with them. And we've all been in those seasons. But let it be time to rejoice when someone rejoices, and we have a hard time with that. You see, you're praying with somebody. Oh, sister, you know, we're believing for a man of God. We're believe what happens when she finds one and you don't? Oh, brother, we're believing for that job. We both applied for that job, and I hope you get it. You don't really mean that. And I hope you get it, and we're believing God. But what happens when he gets it and he doesn't deserve it? You see, the Lord wants to teach us to celebrate other people's miracles. And I want to pull the praise out of you again and start to celebrate what's going on in your neighbor and say, I don't know what you're believing God for, but I'm going to praise God for you in this season. I don't know what you just received, but I know my miracle is on its way. I don't know what you had just gotten in your life, but I know that my miracle is tied to yours. See, it's easy to weep with others who weep. We need to learn to celebrate people where they're at in their place, no matter what they're going through, celebrate them. Say, man, I don't have it today, but you do, and I'm going to believe God. Thank you for sharing that with me. You know, it, it turns into, I don't know why you're happy, but I'm going to rejoice with you. I don't know why you're always so happy and I'm always so angry, but maybe if I just rejoice with you, then it'll change the way I view life. Maybe it'll change me. Stop coming into the church waiting for things to bless you. Start blessing other people. Many, there was this old saying when we were younger, it was a Holy Ghost handshake. Maybe you're coming in and you're going through financial struggle and you come and say, I just hope someone will bless me today with a check. Why don't you write a little check? Maybe if all you got is five bucks and bless somebody with that. Watch what God will do when you start to change your perspective and say, who can I bless in the house of God today instead of looking for everyone to come and cater to you? See, what happens is, is we get jealous sometimes because we think God don't have enough to go around. That's a bad view of God. Because what you're saying, God, is I believe you in the worship songs. But I don't really believe you in real life. I don't really believe that you're that, that, that you're that storm that comes in and washes everything away. See, the doctor will tell you I've done all I can do. The therapist will tell you I've done all I can do. But I want, to, I want you to know that you'll never hear God say I've done all I can do. You'll never hear that. You'll never hear him say, I've done, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't help you anymore. Here's some, here's some medication. Go, go take this. It's slow release, so you just need one a week. The Bible says that Jesus said that whom the Son sets free is free through and through. It's not just a, a, little, a little moment. It's not just something that, that was a big spit. It's not just something that, that is, you know, we, we, we know, that's right. <laughs> we, we, we rely so much on, on everything. See, in, in a time release capsule. I want it to last all day. Well, God says, you don't need that with me because you can be healed in a moment. You can be set free in a moment. 
And Jesus knew the moment he touched that woman that now he can go to Jairus' house. I don't know what Jairus did in that moment. It doesn't talk about him. It was too quick. But I want to believe that as Jesus stopped to pray for that woman, Jairus, he, he, he probably he knew what was going on, I think. I think if you know to go to Jesus and you know enough that you need to just maybe praise a little bit, maybe just start praying for the person. And so Jesus said, now I can go to Jairus' house and heal his daughter. But check this out. While this is happening, while Jesus is saying to this woman, he says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. The Bible says that a messenger came. Say messenger. See, if you guys remember last time I was here, if you were here three years ago, I talked about messengers. And I want to talk to some messengers today. The Bible says that this messenger says, don't trouble the teacher. Your daughter is dead. And I want you to know that there is always going to be a messenger that's going to come into your life and try to distract you from the call of God. There's always going to be a messenger that's going to, sometimes it's your family. Not, you're probably sitting next to that messenger right now. Don't look at them. Not right now. No, don't look right now. But there's always going to be something, and I want to talk to some messengers today that come with demonic words that don't represent my Jesus. I will not listen to a messenger who doesn't know my Jesus. I will not listen to someone that come in because, believe me, we had those voices. When, we, when, when you start declaring new things, there's always going to be that person. Don't get your hopes up. When you start to say, I'm going to take new ground, we're going we're gonna to believe God for this whole lot. Oh, I don't know, you guys, you know, you, got, you know, can't fill up this building. You start believing those messengers. And I won't listen to no, the messengers who don't know my Jesus because my Jesus done greater things for me. My Jesus gives me hope in hopeless situations. So can you imagine Jairus is standing there thinking, man, this woman, she just stole my miracle. She stole my miracle. He's dealing with that pain. He's dealing with it, what it feels like to lose someone. In that moment, the messenger says, she's dead. These messengers come, and they, want, they, they bring a demonic voice and want to knock you off. How many of you guys, the messenger has already said that this sermon is not for you? How many of you guys, that the messenger has already said, don't start that business you know, it's too late already. The messengers are saying, you can't pastor, you're too old. The messenger has said that you cannot have kids. The messenger has said that just because you had an abortion, you'll never be the same. The messenger said that you cannot have that new house that you've saved up for because you got bad credit. If you have bad credit, we need to get that straight. Can you feel the pain? Two minutes ago, he's about to go get his daughter healed. Now, he's waiting, knowing this woman's healed, and his daughter's dead. What's dead in your life? What died? What died? Is it, is it your purity? Is it your anointing? You feel like God didn't have enough? He gave it all to the pastor? We feel like that sometimes. Believe me, I felt like that before. You read, message, you read scripture about Moses, it tells you he's this great dude. There has never been a scripture written about how great I am. And we think because there's scripture like that, that, oh, see, that, that was just Moses. It's like, do you not know that the Bible, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? I love that scripture because what Moses had, I could have. Never listen to a messenger that doesn't know Jesus. You see, I, I'm not going to let a messenger tell me about my Jesus. He doesn't know him. But they come and they try to talk you out of your miracles, voices that tell you that you've tried and you failed. They say you failed, you're never going to be loved. They say that you'll never be free. They say that you're always going to live in shame, that you can't start that business, that you can't do what God wants you to do. Churches are not museums. These are places where people flourish. I really sense that there's business. Is there anyone here that, want, that wants to start a business, that God spoke to you? 
Oh, we're going to pray afterwards. Let me get through this. Isaiah 52 says, whose report do you believe? See, where are you getting your wisdom from? Are you getting your wisdom from the internet? Are you getting your information from too many people? What we need today in churches is people that get revelation from God, not information from man. See, we get information. We can get all this information, but there is something about a Christian that listens to God and gets revelation from heaven and begins to change the situation. You see, you got revelation to start your business. That, that's a revelation from God saying you need to do something with this. Don't sit on it because, believe me, I said it at the conference, you do what you can do and God will do what you can't do. God will always step in and say, okay, God, I've done everything I can. I've given you everything, every resource that I have. And God says, okay, now it's my turn. And he turns that nothing into something. He turns that natural in and he adds the super in it. I heard someone say it, and it becomes supernatural. That's right. Come on. Throw something at me. Throw that water bottle at me. I'm so Jesus walks in the house after this, after the messenger. He silences that messenger and says, don't listen to this guy. Your daughter's going to be all right. And I want you to know, don't listen to that messenger. Your situation's going to turn out right. Jesus walks in the house and he says, stop the weeping, stop the crying. What he's saying is, I know it hurt. I know that season was bad. I know you had to see a side of life that you don't agree with. I know you were hurt in that place, but stop the weeping. He says, stop crying. It happened. I know it hurt, but it's over. I want you to know today that Jesus says it's over. And with resurrection power, the same resurrection power that we have, he speaks over this girl's life, and he says those words, she's not dead. She's only asleep. And I want you to know today that what the enemy has told you has been dead. It's only been asleep. I want you to know that whatever you've been believing for, you're anointed. I feel I'm going to pray for you today after service. Again, this young man in the back. Oh, man. Lord, help me do this. Because it's not over till God says it's over. It's not over till God. See, I, I know your situation might look like it's over. I know you feel like Rocky. It's over, man. You're on the ropes. It's about to be done. And the Lord said, it's not over. It's only been asleep. Physically, you might feel beaten. Physically, you might feel like it's over. I know some of us, we crawled in today. Let's be real. And someone asked you, how are you doing? You said, okay. Number one, we got to deal with lying. Let's just be real. I'm not okay. You know, it's better when you just say, I just started being real. How are you doing? I'm horrible. Pray for me. Lay hands on me because obviously you're doing a lot better than me. Can you just pray for me because I'm not doing good? And I want you to know that it's not dead. They say that we'll never see Christianity again in America like we had before. That all those revivals we read about would never happen again. They say Christianity is dead in America. And I say it's not dead. I say it's in a pretty deep sleep. But I come today with a spiritual alarm clock that says, awake, O oh sleeper. I come today with an alarm clock from heaven that says those things are not dead, but they've only been asleep. Awake, O oh sleeper. Say that to your neighbor. Wake up, sleeper. Now punch your other neighbor in the face. I'm just kidding. I'm, see, sometimes, sometimes we get too crazy with that stuff. And I want you to know the devil thought he took you out 10 years ago. The devil thought that he had you when he took everything from you. The devil thought that, you know, he, I tell people all the time, the devil should have killed me when he had a chance. He blew it. He blew it. Now everything that we live for is to please Jesus. I know you're bloody and you're bruised, but you ain't dead. I know you got caught up in those drugs, but you ain't dead. I know that you're, you lost your baby and you had a baby out of wedlock maybe, but you ain't dead. I want you to know that things happen in life, but you're not dead. There's things that are coming against you right now, but you're not dead. Everybody go, don't die on me because you're alive. There's something in you that's saying, man, you can keep going. You're not dead. I know you're going through hell, but you're not dead. 
Today I declare over every sleeping saint, every sleeping dream, over every sleeping passion, arise, O oh sleeper. I, I, I speak over every dream in this place right now. If you guys would close your eyes, if I can have someone come and play some heavenly music. I want to 